0: Michael Pritzel of The Violet Burning has joined The Antidote tonight to tell us a little bit about what's happening in The Violet Burning and, of course, what's happening with the new album that's just been released. So, Michael, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, it's great to be with you guys.
0: It was several years since the last release by The Violet Burning and your new album. What was happening with you and the band during that time?
1: Well, I guess... Our last studio album was Drop Dead, which came out in 2006. And then in 2008, we released a live CD called Sting Like Bees and Sing, which was uh, fresh after our return from a month-long tour in Europe, which was great. After that, we well, we sort of realized kind of where the, uh, where the trend of music was going, I guess. And that's sort of this idea that music and and art and truth and beauty and these sort of things are all, well, where we live, they're kind of minimized. There's not really a a high value that's placed on those things. And so we had sort of a, a small come to Jesus meeting, I guess is what you would call it. And it, and really, at that time we really encouraged each other to push ourselves into being really better musicians. You know, a lot of bands, I think they only practice when they get together as a group, but really one of the keys to making a great record is is if you can have each individual person really be excellent on their instrument. And so we encouraged each other to to work really hard practicing daily and then we kind of raised the bar on ourselves and said, well, look, a lot of bands, they'll make an EP of five songs that they give away for free in exchange for the currency of an email address or something, as if any of us need more email. And we said, well, let's let's try to push ourselves and let, let's see if we can't make a triple album. Only because in the history of rock music, I think there's only been a few triple albums. And... um we thought, why not go for it? <laughs> so we did, and we thought, well, if, if we can't get three albums or even two albums worth of great songs, then maybe we can at least come up with ten good songs, and we could kind of go from there. And in the end, we ended up uh, narrowing it down from about 45 songs down to 34. to three-album concept album told over 34 songs, and it's called The Story of Our Lives.
0: Now, I understand that during the recording of The Story of Our Lives, you were working at a full-time job, and you also took on the responsibility of producing, engineering, and making the album. Now, was that not a stretch for you, you know, not just artistically, but physically as well? Well, yeah, it was, but... What's interesting for me is, as
1: I set out to sort of create this story about a character that's sort of trapped in the machine world system that we all are part of, I had the opportunity to go in and take a job uh, working at a factory which was just filled with machines. And so it was really interesting for me. Because sometimes I feel like the Lord allows me to go through life experiences that will influence my art. And so this was definitely a a big influence, uh, working, I guess, on average, 50 hours, sometimes 60 hours a week, um, fixing. They had these sort of antiquated uh, information systems that were from about, not exaggerating, I think they were from 1984. When I was a, a little boy, there was this movie I saw called War Games and there, Matthew Broderick or someone like that's about to save the world. And he logs onto this computer and, and it has like this black screen and these sort of blinking you know, letters <laughs> flashing at him. And it, it, that was the, the sort of uh, information system that they were using uh, for their company. And so myself and a couple friends of mine were working to bring them to a more current uh, system. So as I was writing for the album, I'd be listening on the factory floor, crawling under stuff.
0: It's just the antiquated equipment is bringing it into the artistic realm. So as you mentioned, the album's made up of three CDs, 34 songs. So that's quite an accomplishment being able to put that all out. Let's get into disc one of the CD or of the album, I should be saying. The lyrics on the songs, Brother Part One and two on the fantastic machine CD of the set, Display Brother as being really the embodiment of the negative aspects of our digital society, all of which are vying to control our attention and time. Can you provide some examples of how this occurs?
1: You know, I think that for each of us, our worlds are full of things that are trying to distract us from things that really matter. And you know, it's, it's really a challenge for us. You know, in the history of, of Christianity, there's always been a real place for things like solitude, things like silence. And when you team those things with the other ancient traditions of Bible, of worship, of prayer, uh, mixed with solitude and silence and reflection, then you sort of have this faith that can be really rich and can be really rewarding. And I think the challenge for a lot of us in the culture, whether you have faith or you don't have faith, is that we're constantly distracted by the adverts on the television, the adverts driving down the freeway with the billboards, um, the internet, the Facebook, the text messaging. We all have a phone now attached to our hip And so there's just this constant machine that's pulling at us and pulling for our attention and pulling for our affections. And so within the fantastic machine... Really, you have a lot of things hidden within it. The the lyrics, the sounds, the illustrations of the artwork, uh, the computer voices, the talking machine voices, all of these things kind of help tell the story. And then the song that you're referencing, there's a song called Brother, B-R-0-T-H-R, and it appears two times. And really, we give away within the images who Brother is. And if you look carefully at the illustrations, you can notice that he's really the imposter. You know, he's got these angel wings that have been strapped onto him, you know, uh, in the history of the the cherubim, you would have these angels that have these sets of wings and they're covered in eyes all over. And the idea that when those of us who pray as we're going through life and we bring our thoughts uh, to our maker, the history of the cherubim is that our desires and our prayers kind of go up, you know, through the cherubim and they're passed through to this holy God. So, our affections naturally would pass through this cherubim. But the idea of brother is that he's the, the machine, the world machine, and he wants those affections. And so you see him with his giant, massive computer monitor head that's filled with eyeballs and wings that are strapped onto him, you know, because he's, this character, brother, so desires our attentions and affections.
0: What are your thoughts on how today's digital society presents truth? compared to the divine truth of God? Well, I don't know if it's any different
1: as a digital society from a uh, any sort of society that naturally wants our affections. I think that in the history of man, each of us are, are drawn away by the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, the pride of our lives, and the society that we live in is no different than what it was a hundred years ago or 200 or a thousand years ago in terms of we all still wrestle with those same core issues within us, you know, whether they're digital or, or whether they're just existing within us, you know, I think that that's the interesting thing is that those desires actually are, are set somewhere inside of us and how we learn to deal with those things is really a challenge for all of us.
0: I think really all my intention was with saying it that way was really with the digital age, meaning Internet, the wealth of both truth and false truths that are so readily available over the Internet and just the range of it that's distributed. And I guess on the Internet, almost forced upon you at times. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I was really
1: influenced by this uh, great book by a Harvard professor and journalist named Nicholas Carr, And it's called the big switch and the big switch sort of documents the history of electricity and the history of the internet and then in the final two chapters he ties those two things together um, with where we've come as a culture and really it's just sort of a a fascinating documentary of the history of those two things and how they've changed our culture and really where all of these um, corporations That are always constantly needing our attention, needing our money. I mean, even, you know, in America, we have certain um, news uh, services, and some of them will paint themselves as, quote unquote, conservatives. But really, the idea is this sort of sensationalism. That we need to watch, so that they can sell ad revenues. Because really, they're not in the business of you know trying to be our friends and help us. <laughs> they're in the business of of making money. You know, and so you have this constant barrage of whether it's the the ideas of uh, you know you're lonely and you want to meet someone who's a a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and so you look to an internet dating site. You know, or whether it's the ideas that every keystroke that you and I type. You know if you have gmail or yahoo mail or or one of these type of services you're giving them the rights to read your keystrokes and then as they read it then they figure out what you're interested in so if you were emailing with me today and we talked about pianos or a new recording or some mixes that i was doing for you then you'd start seeing these ads appear about you know pianos for sale or uh, guitar strings or check out the new guitar center uh, recording gear or. You would see this sort of thing and, and that the whole idea that our privacy is really truly at risk, not in a uh, kind of conspiracy theory way, but just in the truth of the culture that we live
0: in. Well, in Canada, we're reaching an interesting point because there actually is a new proposed federal bill that's being tried to push through. And really what it's doing is it's allowing police to read private email as it's quoted as, you know, obviously trying to find people doing illegal activities. Yeah, i mean this is really concerning a lot of people both uh, conservative and liberal alike as to the rights and powers uh, that the police can be taking so it'll be interesting to see how what parliament feels about that
1: yeah that will be interesting the the idea of the fantastic machine is uh this character goes out they're born into this system where they don't quite fit where they don't belong And as they move through this machine in the end, they realize that the only way for them, um, to leave the machine is to die. And so the album concludes, you know, with the song, which is called Leaving. And it's a mix of mostly human voices along with this reflecting machine voice that are singing to the one who's carried them through this life so far. You know, again, referring to the art as we see the character leaving you see for me which is one of my favorite images the angel holding the now lifeless body of the character and the light that they've carried through this story has fallen to the ground and there they are beyond the gates of death and so part one you know establishes this character and then at the end of part one the character dies (laughs) so it's sort of like okay wow they're dead now the ability to escape so black is death yeah exactly
0: On the second disc of the story of our lives, Black as Death, the character runs through a wide range of emotions, you know, really reaching the depths of despair in the song Maelstrom. Yet, in many of the songs, you receive really a glimmer of hope in the brokenness. Why did you feel it necessary to, to portray this emotional range on the second disc of the set?
1: Well, because part two is continuing the story. At the end of part one, we have our character um, choosing death and choosing to go through the gates of death. And then the first song of of the second album, Black as Death, is a song called uh, My Name is Night. And it immediately just begins with this sort of heavy, anguish, crying out song, you know, into Maelstrom, which you mentioned, and... Uh, it's because the, the whole idea is the story of our lives is this journey. So as this character, now part two is sort of the reflection of the loss, the anguish that we feel when we not only when we lose loved ones, but when we lose jobs, we finish school and we're not quite sure where to go you know, you, a relationship or a friendship, and there's so much in this world that where we experience loss and brokenness. But then as the record begins to uh, turn towards the very end, it explores the ideas that there's really beauty in the brokenness. Just like if you and I traveled to Europe and we saw some of the ruins, you know, in Rome or even in the English countryside, we would see these places that are ruined. They're broken, they're overgrown, and yet we would immediately want to take photos because they're so beautiful. And it's the same idea in our own lives, that there's beauty in the brokenness of our lives, that there's splendor within the ruin of it. And Black as Death sort of explores those ideas.
0: At times, it almost reminds me of David in the Old Testament, crying out to the Lord as he's being put upon by his enemies, and then progressing through that.
1: I agree historically as a writer i've I've always tried to write from a point of my own journey uh, of from what I relate to and you know what happens is you end up with these kind of psalms or prayers and and then it, it reminds people of of the psalms of David or of Moses and I think we all sort of relate to those things
0: Many of the songs on the story of our lives have Really, truly worshipful lyrics, such as Mojave and Cardiac, which are found on the final disc. I I need help with this one. <laughs> I do not have any German.
1: Liebe über alles. Thank you. And really, it's the German for love over all things. And if, if you know, if we were sitting side by side in the studio, I would say I would stretch my arms out and I would say love over all things. We don't quite have the same English equivalent But Libu Baralis continues the journey, and so it's the idea that now having chosen death at the end of part one, now our character can live on through love, continue their journey all the way home. And in the end, Libu Baralis is really perhaps the, the loveliest record. It's a lot of very beautiful songs. In the end... They come to this place where the final song, which is called Made For You, and it's the classic, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up uh, as a Catholic. I still have a, a committed Anglo-Catholic faith, and every Sunday we pray this prayer that's part of our Eucharist portion of our service. And it says, uh, Heavenly Father, out of your infinite love, you made each of us for yourself you know it's the idea of colossians where we see that all things were made by him and through him and for him so in the end of this journey the character finally comes to that resting place and made for you where he says lord of all creation i was made by you and i was made for you
0: so do you feel that worship has its place in rock music i
1: think you know some people refer to those things uh, to prayers as as worship you know, I'm, I don't know much about the uh, Christian industry, uh, you know, quite honestly. I mean, I have a little experience with it, but I have more experience with just attending church uh, regularly, you know, for a few decades. You know, I think that the great thing about rock music is that it speaks the language of our hearts uh, for all of us, whether that's a uh, protest song, you know, maybe someone will write a, a protest song about this situation in Canada. You know, we've watched people like Neil Young and Bob Dylan write protest songs through the years. But we've also watched those same great artists write songs. I mean, come on, the great Canadian artist Neil Young. Think about the great Canadian Leonard Cohen. He's written uh, some of the most beautiful prayers that I've ever read or heard sung. You know, like the song If It Be Your Will, you know, is a great example of just a wonderful prayer. And so I think that within the power of music, There's always going to be a natural expression of our hearts, of the hearts of of men and women and those things that are that are deep within us. And I think that the story of our lives really touches on a lot of those things that we all face uh, through the journey of our lives.
0: What we've been talking about now really delves into what I was going to bring up in the next question. I personally feel that concept albums often fail to achieve their original intent. And I can really only think of a few concept albums that I think really achieved what they were intending to do. It's certainly not the case with The Violet Burning. It has a real cohesiveness that is lacking in most concept albums. So I'm asking you to be a a little bit, you know, fairly analytical about your own work. What do you think made the difference with the story of our lives?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for that, that compliment. That means a lot to me and to all of us who worked so hard on it. The difference is that we really worked very hard on it, and we really, uh, you know, when we were working on the illustrations, which are, you know, just came out so lovely, you know, there was very specific ideas that I had that I wanted to match with the lyrics. And as we moved through the into the photographs of the, the black and white award-winning uh, photographs and uh, the color ones as well, we wanted to make sure that we were matching up the images with the lyrics, with the melodies, and... A lot of times when you make a record, a band is is trying to come up with 10 good songs. For me, you know, for over 15 years now, I've been committed to writing almost every day. So I'm regularly writing, so I have lots of material to choose from. But with the concept album, I deliberately chose lyrics sort of in the order that I wanted to tell the story. And so, even while I was demoing the songs and uh, finishing the final compositions, I was planning the, the whole order of the album all along. You know, normally you, you try to finish ten good songs, and then you try to uh, do what's called the assembly, which is the song order, and you try to pick a, a song order that makes sense. But with this, everything was planned from the very beginning, so I knew that it was going to open that certain musical themes would be appearing throughout each of the records. Uh, You know, sometimes maybe it's in a vocal melody, and then maybe on another record, on another song, it's a guitar line. And so you have these themes that are appearing. And, you know, I I did the best I could, you know. (laughs) It was a definite raising the bar on ourselves and really trying to make something special.
0: And it was accomplished. As our listeners are hearing the album playing tonight, the final question. As headman for The Violet Burning, you've produced a wide breadth of material since the founding of the band back in 1989. Is the story of our lives really the culmination of what you've been trying to achieve?
1: It's hard because each record is, you're really doing your very best with the tools that you have at hand. And so the story of our lives is perhaps our greatest achievement. I think that that's up for the fans to decide. You know, there are fans who love strength, fans who love the self-titled, fans who love Satellite Heart, Plastic Elastic, fans who love Drop Dead. You know, uh, there's another reviewer who talked about how hard Sting Like Bees and Sing uh, rocked. And yet this new album rocks 10 times as hard as that. And yet he didn't. Comment on that in his in his review. So, so you never know, you know what's going to touch people. You know, for me, I think that this is, uh, you know, the best thing that we could do to sort of observe the culture of who we are as a culture, both within the church, both outside the church, as we pass through the challenges of this life.
0: Well, Michael of the Violet Burning, I have to thank you for spending the time. It's truly interesting to speak with a dedicated artist. You're listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. And tonight we've been speaking with Michael Pritzel of The Violet Burning about their new epic three CD set called The Story of Our Lives. Hey, thanks so much.